0: Welcome to Biographicon. Welcome to Biographicon. My name is Dr. Declan McCormack. This introductory podcast sets out to explain what the Biographicon podcast series is and what it hopes to achieve. Biographicon will turn the spotlight on people who generated culture and ideas across the North in the late 18th century. Many of these people were well known in their time but are now forgotten. Yet they all played an important part in the development of modern Northern identity. And so, Biographicon seeks to revive interest in them. You may not have heard the word Biographicon before, it's not in the dictionary. So before I talk about the series, let me explain where the word Biographicon comes from. The place is Sunderland, in the northeast of England, and the year is 1813. In this imaginary beginning, we see a man standing by the door of a printing shop in a busy high street. He's grey-haired and in his early 60s, squinting as he examines the pages of what looks like a newspaper. We hear the pages rustle in the morning breeze. Horses snort and the rhythm of wheels roll by as a carriage passes. In the distance, the sound of hammers on metal rings out across a busy shipyard. The man, An Irish actor called James Field Stanfield is reading the review of his new book, which has just appeared in the Monthly Review, a literary journal published in London. As Mr Stanfield has bestowed so much labour on ascertaining the theory of the biographic art, we would wish to see him reduce it to practice. Why should he not undertake a dictionary of the British geographers using the world in its enlarged sense, so as to comprehend all the explorers of the surface of the world, those who conduct voyages of discovery, those who travel inland and those who engage in stationary topography. A vast mass of British merit has been employed in making the world known to its inhabitants, and the employment extends with commerce, with empire and with science. By separating into one biographicon, this peculiar class of lives, a philanthropic emulation would be excited, a debt of social gratitude would be discharged, a trophy to patriotism would be erected, and an instructive knowledge of the present state of nations and the gradual concatenation of intercourse would be diffused. Literature should rear altars, to the missionaries of human civilization. The review is of Stanfield's essay on the study and composition of biography, printed by George Garbutt in Sunderland in 1813, and this is when the word biographicon made its first appearance. All reviews at this time were anonymous, but the reviewer has been identified as the nonconformist radical. William Taylor of Norwich, by his Victorian biographer John Warden Roberts, who searched through the business records of the literary journals to which Taylor is known to have contributed. Although it is possible to have made an educated guess that Taylor was the reviewer, as he'd made it a condition that he would only review material he was interested in, and biography falls into that category. In fact, Taylor is probably responsible for coining the new term autobiography, which first appeared in another publication, Arthur Aitken's Annual Review, published between 1803 and 1809. William Taylor of Norwich was a philologist whose articles are filled with newly coined words or neologisms, some which stuck, and others that didn't, as his editor Lucy Aitken recalled. In reference to Mr Taylor's mintage of words, it is right to observe that it was not arbitrary or capricious. They were always learnedly and analogically formed. A few of them have crept into use, and more might perhaps be adopted with advantage. Another clue to the review's authorship is that Taylor couldn't resist introducing his own research about Germanic culture into it, when urging Stanfield to apply his biographical theory to the celebration of British geographers currently expanding the empire. The Goths fancied that the souls of the illustrious dead were transmuted into flame, and that tomb fires ascended from the graves of heroes, which became stars in the firmament. Such a transmutation the eminent really undergo by the record of their lives. Thenceforth, like the lamps in cities, they blaze in the eyes of men and guide the steps of each successive passenger along the nobler paths of human life. William Taylor of Norwich had been a traveller himself in his early years, across the German Ocean to the Dutch Republic, Denmark and the German States. He may not have been a superstar philosopher attached to a Scottish university or a contributor to Diderot's encyclopaedia, but as the founder of the Anglo-German School in England, he made a significant contribution to enlightenment and romantic culture. Taylor not only coined the term biographicon, but he epitomizes the aim of this biographicon series. Biographicon also seeks to revive interest in the provincial actor James Field Stanfield, upon whose writing Taylor's review was based. Stanfield believed a biographer needed to get into the mind of their subject rather like a method actor for which they had to generate a specific spirit of inquiry which he identified, and for which he believed he'd coined a new term. He called this biology. The natural reaction might be to think, well, he got that wrong. But if you think about it, he didn't. The word biology was available. The word didn't exist yet. This commonplace word, biology, that's so familiar to us today, and which we all think we understand so well, hadn't even entered the English language 200 years ago. It serves as a reminder that in this pre-modern period, James Field Stanfield, William Taylor and all of the other people that will feature in this biographicon series and who helped to shape who we are today existed on the cusp of change when the structure of their minds, their ways of thinking were not like ours. So, It's the aim of biographicon, another newly-minted word, to attempt to revive this earlier pattern of knowledge and to encourage listeners to enter into the minds of the historical figures featured here and thereby better understand what we've gained and what we might have lost. We start the series with a psychogeography of 18th century Newcastle upon Tyne. Professor Alistair Bonnet from the University of Newcastle takes us on a tour of his city, through the mind of the 18th-century radical Thomas Spence. Spence's levelling-up plan to improve Britain did away with landlords and reformed standard English spelling to help dialect speakers like his fellow Northumbrians learn to read and write more easily. For Spence, linguistic difference was a sign of life and highly valuable, not something to be corrected and eliminated. In this period, the English language was one of the most contentious, social and ideological battlegrounds, and Spence clearly understood this. The political nature of language is further examined in another episode, featuring the Newcastle entrepreneur Anne Fisher, who set up an English school to teach illiterate women in Newcastle in the 1750s, and later became the first female grammarian of modern English. Anne Fisher's was the most published grammar in the North, However, she's disappeared into the archives, and Associate Professor Barbara Crosby from the University of Durham wants to bring her back. Another episode features Professor John Mee from the University of York, who shares with us his interest in the cantankerous antiquarian Joseph Ritson, the man responsible for making Robin Hood a champion of the poor. This vegetarian from Stockton-on-Tees, who adopted the French revolutionary calendar acts as a springboard for John to plunge into the world of 1790s English radicalism. The writer of the recent award-winning ephemeral 18th century, Gillian Russell, also joins us to talk about Tate Wilkinson, the most famous provincial theatre manager of the 18th century, whose York Company acted as a nursery for the London stage. All this and much more. So, I hope you'll join us as we explore Biographical, a journey that begins from its source, where the River Weir pays tribute to the German ocean. By separating into one Biographical, this peculiar class of lives, a philanthropic emulation would be excited. A debt of social gratitude would be discharged. A trophy to patriotism would be erected and an instructive knowledge of the present state of nations and the gradual concatenation of intercourse would be diffused. Literature should rear altars to the missionaries of human civilization.